Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Man, did this dude just did this? With the 20th pick in the 2016 NBA Draft, the Indiana Pacers select Karis LeVert from the University of Michigan. The problem is you don't want to mess with a bat because, as you may know, they can be ratted. So there goes our test after somebody in the stands. And he is going after a fan, and he is waylaying a fan, and this thing is now getting ugly. Got them all? Justin Holliday has come in all three. Do we have them all? He did first time in NBA history that three brothers on the floor at the same time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod podcast. Are we going right now? <laughs> yes. Because I got a recording in progress, and then it, like, stopped, and I had to press a button. Yeah, I think you had to accept recording, but it's good to go. Yeah. I just added everything out. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. Here with a very special edition episode. We've been lazy on the episodes here recently. You know, last episode going over Rick Carlisle's hire. Uh, but there's not much to talk about, and we don't want to waste our time talking about bullshit, you know, during the offseason. So we're back here. NBA draft coming up this week. We got some other rumors going on that we're going to talk about today. But here, as always, we got Eric Hawk, and then we have a guest who shows up whenever he feels like it. Jake Light has joined us here today. Fellas, how's it going? Going well. Won a softball game today. Going to Colts training camp tomorrow. So... I'm all sports, oh, no. baby. Oh, no. That, that ought to be fun. Hey, yeah. you better take a helmet. I heard Carson Wentz is throwing some passes, so could could go awry pretty quick for you, I'm man. Excited. You I'm excited to see him live and see what he's got because I hate yeah. him somewhat. <laughs> um, you know, Hawk, I'm doing uh, – and Cook, thanks for that introduction, Cook. I really appreciate it. Um, could tell that came from the heart. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been having a great summer uh, working on some things for school and – uh, getting some getting some stuff. I'm ready for a really good year of uh, some athletics and uh, a lot of potential with some of our teams. So, really, just kind of sharpening the saw, as they say, and getting ready for a uh, for a school year. But I'm not gonna lie, I've been watching. Uh, I told you guys I was picking out some prospects, watching a lot of film, uh, watching some highlights, and then actual game film. So I'm ready to talk about this. I'm super pumped. So what should we get started with first? Some of the rumors, or do you guys want to dive deep into our prospects there for the Pacers at pick 13? Let's do prospects. Oh, I agree. Let's get this prospects going. I got, a lot, I got a lot to talk about, so I know you guys do too. So, All right. So uh, Thursday night, NBA draft is coming. Pacers own the 13th pick in the draft this year. Um, just one pick shy of the final pick in the lottery. Um, so I've got my list ranked here, my top five guys, who I think could be available at that point, um, as well as some honorable mention guys. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie with the people here. I'm not, you know, a huge prospect guy. I don't really get into much college basketball unless it's, you know, 
watching a Purdue game when they're on TV or during March Madness. So other than that, I'm not religiously watching this stuff. And I don't really get into NBA draft stuff until around the draft. So my research on this is fairly limited. But based on what I've got here, what I've put together these last few days, I got five guys here that I would really like for the Pacers to pick one of these guys at pick 13 if they choose to stay there. So uh, do you want me to go through my list here? Or do you guys kind of want to just free ball it and, you know, pick one guy each or how do you want to do that? I think I, 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 I want to hear Chris's top five because I think it's probably similar names to what we've heard kind of linked to the Pacers. Maybe we could talk about each guy just a little bit and then maybe talk about some guys we personally like uh, on the back end. I agree. All right, so uh, number one guy here that was on my list, a guy that, you know, a lot of people are talking about on the Twitter sphere about hoping he falls to the Pacers, which there seems to be a lot more chance of that happening now than there was about a week or two ago. Um, still, the chances of him falling, I think, are very slim, but he could be available, so he is on my list. I have number one on my list as Moses Moody, the guard out of Arkansas, uh, 6'6", 210 pounds. Um, some NBA comps for him, Mikel Bridges and OG Ananobi. So some pretty, two pretty good guys to be compared to there. Um, the reason why I like his game a lot, you know, he's got a seven foot wingspan. Um, and he's one of those wing players that, you know, Jake has always preached about this team needs to get. Um, so seven foot wingspan, so he can cover, you know, quite a bit of, quite a bit of area right there. Um, seems to have, you know, a really good understanding of the game. Uh, has great intangibles from what I've seen, and he's really good at rebounding from the guard position. Um, and then three-point-wise, three, three point wise, I mean, he's he's able to knock that shot down. So a really good 3-and-D guy with who seems to be quite a bit more explosive. Um, really the only weakness that I could find and that I read about him was, you know, he's just very limited offensively with creating a shot or creating offense for others. Uh, but in one year at Arkansas, he averaged around 17 points per game. Uh, six rebounds per game. He's an 81% free throw shooter, uh, and he shot 37% from three this year. So really liked what I saw from him on the vi- on video, really liked things that I read about him. So what do you guys think about that? Moses Moody as number one on my board. Do you like what you've seen from him, or do you think he's a little bit too high on my list? Uh, I'll go ahead and get started. Um, I actually, so Moody is one of the guys I did a really dig, a big dig on, and uh, I really dug deep on not only his highlights, because I think it's important as, as we're going through and talking about these guys, especially from my perspective, I think it's important that you sure, sure you look at the highlights, but you got to realize the highlights are the highlights for a reason. Those are the best plays that the guy makes. And so it's easy to fall in love with these guys and what you really need to do. And, if you're really into the prospects, I think you watch the highlights and then you go back and Google a full game and see what this kid can do. Uh, Moody for me, uh, I don't really think he, the reason he would not be number one on my list is just simply for one reason. I don't think he's going to be there when we pick. I think he's one of those guys that, and this happens a lot in the NFL and I guess in the NBA drafts, like you fall in love with a guy that is like just outside of um just outside of your strike zone like he would have to fall to us and it's like a very slim chance he does but he's kind of like the first guy i'm looking at especially on all the mock drafts that has a that that could conceivably fall to us whether it be for a medical reason or or really anything so i did i did not have moody on my top five 
but he would be number one if I really thought he had a chance to get to us. And I hope I'm wrong, but th- things I like in uh, Moses Moody's game, uh, he obviously his ability to stretch the floor. Um, I've preached it. Uh, and it, really, if you've watched the Olympics, we have no spacing in the Olympic game. The three point line is closer to the hoop. It's, it's a closer game all around. And we suck at it because we just sent, sent a bunch of athletes and, um, like we're not spreading the floor very well at all. We're not shooting well. That's what Moses Moody brings to an NBA team. Not only in his highlights can he shoot, he has decent athleticism. Um, I would say his athleticism is actually what he lacks the most, but he does have a great frame and great size. I see a willingness to play defense, which is huge. And uh, he, I think he is a three and D guy at the NBA level. Uh, to me, I, I, I do think he kind of reminds me of, uh, I almost say like a Trevor Ariza type with a little bit more upside just because I think he can score a little bit better. He doesn't necessarily handle the ball super well, like for a shooting guard or a guard in the NBA. I think that's something he's going to have to work on. But just, I think, Chris, you hit, hit the nail on the head. I think he does have really good intangibles. I think he's ready to be on a second unit immediately, and he probably is one of the few guys that we actually – maybe have a chance on that has a chance to not be a superstar, but be a good player on a playoff team. And I think that's what we should be aiming for. So when I see Moses Moody, I think he's just outside of our possibilities, but he would be number one on my list if I thought he would actually be there when the Pacers picked at 13. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Moody is a, is a guy, if you look at his position, it's like him and book night. And then after that, it's just guys that play different positions, a little taller, like Wagner, Giddy, Kai Jones, and all these mocks I'm looking at. So I don't think he'll be there. The next shooting guard would be a guy like Keon Johnson from what I've seen. So Moody, he's got the seven-foot wingspan, which is enticing. If he's there, I think you got to take him. But who knows what we're going to do. I mean, there's a lot of trade rumors that we're trying to look out of 13. We're trying to move some guys, yada, yada, yada. So – if Moody's there, I like it. I like him over guys like Wagner. I like him over guys like Kai Jones. But like you said, it's it's never a guarantee. The seven-foot wingspan, 6'6", six, six shooting guard, I, I like it on paper. So I, hopefully he's there. But shooting guard the, NBA, I doubt it. Yeah, the, and the one thing I will say is I think I like him rel- in, a relative, in a relative sense. I like him more than I like Book Knight. Uh, I did watch James Booknight thinking he could possibly be a guy that fell to us just because he he's a little tiny bit undersized from a weight standpoint. I don't think his body's going to be able to put on weight. Like I think Moody has more of that length that can really, um, really pop off the screen if he could just add a little muscle. But Booknight is impressive in his uh, all around game, whereas Moody is more of a specialist. He's more of the three and D guy. Bugna has a chance to be a more well-rounded player, but I just think he could be a guy that falls by the wayside. And I think he will probably go after Moody to me, but I guess his intangibles and his potential, I guess, are, are what everyone's like looking at in the draft. And he will definitely come after the big like four. So, yeah. Yeah. I see a scenario if he drops where he's got to get past seven and eight. I think if, uh, the magic with their second go around don't pick him and then I think at nine there's a lot of talk about I think the Kings taking Wagner at number nine there's a lot of talk about there at 10 that Josh Giddy I think is uh on uh the Grizzlies board now that they've traded for that pick 
So I think there's a legitimate shot if Orlando passes that he could possibly fall to the Pacers. I see the Hornets taking a big, um, so maybe that Jones guy out of Texas. I see him going there, and then San Antonio is ahead of us. They're going to pick some foreign dudes, so I don't, I'm not worried about them. So um, for sure, I think that's really the only scenario is if the Magic pass on him at eight, I think there's a really good chance for him to fall. Yeah, um, maybe. All right, so moving on here, second on the list, uh, Davion Mitchell, guard from Baylor, the national champions, 6'1", 200 pounds, some NBA comps for him, uh, Drew Holiday, Norman Powell, even got compared to Donovan Mitchell on some sites that I was looking up some information on him. Uh, some strengths for him, you know, he is 22 years old, so um, he's a pretty NBA-ready prospect now at this point. He's uh, been praised for his uh, his defense, he's a great on and off ball defender. Um, offensively, he's very shifty and explosive um, and has great ball handling skills. Um, on the flip side, his weaknesses, uh, obviously his size, he's only 6'1", so that could be an issue, you know, defending multiple positions in the NBA. Um, his age as well, he's, you know, he's only 22 years old, but still he's, you know, uh, one of the older prospects in this draft. Um, poor free throw shooting. He only shot 66% from the foul line uh, this year. And then he can take a lot of chances. So you're just going to have to sometimes deal with him being, you know, quite, quite too aggressive on, on defense and, and possibly giving up some easy buckets. But, you know, you got to remember that on the flip side of that, how great of a defender he is. Uh, this year at Baylor, he averaged 14 points per game, uh, 5.5 assists per game, almost two steals per game. Um, and he shot 45% from three, which the thing that I liked the most when I saw that was last season in 2019-2020, he shot 32% from three. So he saw a 13% bump in his three-point shooting um, and, and, you know, from that 19-20 season to last season. So definitely, you know, some upside there from, you know, just showing that he put the work in. Um, and he was able to improve that. So what do you guys think about him? I, I think there is a legitimate shot of him actually being there when the Pacers choose on Thursday. Yeah, I think there's three negatives you look at, and that's size, free throw shooting, and I can't even think of the third right now. But what I was going to say is he went with Baylor went. Like when you watch those games in the tournament, his speed absolutely killed. He didn't have a turnover until the national championship game. They called him off night because he would guard the other team's best player. I mean, when he was on the court, they played at a higher tempo basketball. So this is a guy I'd love on my team, even though the age 22 older in the draft, I think he's NBA ready to like make a difference right now. And I kind of think the sky's the limit. If he can get over those like physical height things that, inhabit him a little bit maybe he can be a Donovan Mitchell I mean I highly doubt it because that's a whole nother level but this is about where Donovan Mitchell went was later when the Pacers might have had a chance to get him too I think he's electric I think you take a dice he he got better shooting the three you think he's going to work on his free throw and, and be a good player in this league that can defend and you know hold on to the ball and not turn it over and that's that's what you want and I think he's a dog so yeah I would love to have him yeah, I mean, this guy's my number one. Uh, he's my number one for a couple of reasons, and you hit on it. Uh, I think he has uh, – I my biggest question, it comes with his potential uh, because I do think he has somewhat of a lack of athleticism, 
And uh, when I say a lack of athleticism, the dude is super athletic. I mean, for a high upside player, a guy that, you know, is a first round pick, I think he's got when I, basically when I see him, I see a little bit of Kyle Lowry in him. I mean, I think he, you know, when you think of Kyle Lowry, you don't think of a overly athletic. You think of a guy that's polished, a guy that has good leadership, uh, you know, towards the you know back end of his career. The front end wasn't so great, but uh, he, he, he does have the ability to step out and shoot. He can space the floor. Um, and I mean, he shot 45% from last year. Like that's pretty damn good. And it, it, it he, he does have some, he does ha- have some questions in terms of, do I think he can take guys off the dribble, but he's a very good pick and roll player. And that's, uh, I mean, I've preached it, you know, us trying to defend the pick and roll. This guy can play. I mean, he's going to put guys in a really tough position. Um, I don't know if you guys have been, you know, looking at Twitter over the past, you know, 20, 25 minutes, but we're looking to move Aaron holiday. And I think it's because we might be, you know, we might have our eyes kind of set on Mitchell here. And I think he's probably the most realistic option to fall to us. Uh, he's not scared to take the big shot. He's plays with a lot of strength. He's a dog on the defensive end. He, he was the leader of that Baylor team and he's quick, he's quick, but he's not athletic in terms of high flyer, um, sheer raw, get to the rim and finish. But, you know, you're picking at 13 and I think he is going to, I think he's going to hit. I think this guy's going to be in the league. I just see a, uh, a Kyle Lowry type with a little, uh, maybe a little less upside. And I, but, but I'm telling you at 13, we could do worse. And uh, I, I do think he's got some potential to do some big things. Yeah. I know for a fact, I said on the last episode that this guy could come in and be better than Aaron holiday on day one. And, I think you agreed with me then. And so saying that now, I, I still wholeheartedly agree with that. He's a guy that you don't have to watch. I mean, if you watch his highlights, like I like the guys when you watch their highlights, it's like, shit, okay, this guy can really play. But then when you watch him in the game, he's doing those exact same things. He has those qualities that like, even when he's playing quote unquote bad, he's still getting other people involved because he's just a leader and he doesn't stop playing. He makes plays on the defensive end. He does take chances. Like Chris mentioned earlier, he's going to get out and try to make some steals, but that's what we need. We need a, we need a tough hard nosed guy. And I think he would honestly uh, step in for TJ McConnell and uh, be that spark guy. We need just a younger, cheaper version of it. And you could play them together. I guarantee you could, we could find a way. Yeah, you could, if you wanted to, I, I, I'm just going off based off the report that McConnell might want more money than maybe we previously thought, but yeah. he, he's a dog. He would be, he would be a fan favorite uh, in a Pacer uniform. No, 100%. Agreed. All right. Next up on my list. And he's probably a little bit high, but I'd have to admit after looking into this guy, I fell in love with what I saw. Maybe that was probably from the highlights I watched mostly, but uh this is a guy that, you know, I probably wouldn't mind, you know, if if the opportunity was there to trade down for and try to get some assets and pick him later in the draft, because I think he will be available. I have Cameron Thomas, guard out of LSU, 6'3", 200 pounds. Um, some NBA comparisons for him, CJ McCollum, Terrence Ross, and Buddy Heald. Um, the strengths for this kid, I mean, the guy can just score at will. Um, he averaged 23 points per game in his uh, freshman season with LSU. Uh, that was fourth uh, in the country this year. Just a true volume scorer. Um, you know, he, he can, you know, f- score on you many different ways. You know, he's got a deep, deep three. Um, he can, you know, create off the bounce, spotting up. He's in and, and, you know, working off screens and ball handling. 
I mean, the guys just got it all offensively, you know, kind of just, you know, for Pacers fans, just picture, you know, a smaller TJ Warren, kind of just a guy who, you know, can just, he goes out there and, and that's what he does is he just puts up buckets. Um, and, and, you know, I think a, a lot of what attracted me to this pick was um, just thinking of, you know, like a player, like a sixth man type, you know, like a, you know, Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams, a guy who's going to be a staple in this league for several years that, you know, maybe isn't really known for his defense, isn't going to win any many defensive player of the year awards, but a guy who's going to go out there, and you know, could easily get you 20 points per night off the bench. Um, so that's what I really liked, you know, you know, small sample size for him, obviously just one year at LSU, but I think there's, you know, a lot of potential from this guy. I think he could be, you know, a solid player in this league. Um, definitely wish he was a few inches taller, but, uh, you know, just, just really like what I saw from him. Not only that, you know, like I said, 23 points per game, uh, was an 88% uh, free throw shooter and also shot over 40% from uh, the field this year at LSU. So, um, you know, I don't know if you guys have a lot of information on this guy, but uh, based on some of the options I saw, I, I really like this pick. I think I like it more so if the Pacers were willing to trade down and get some assets. I don't know if they want to take him at 13, but I think if you can trade down and get him, you know, later on in the teens or early 20s, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Jake, go ahead with this guy first. Yeah, uh, Cam Thomas is another one that I, I did actually do a tiny bit of a deeper dive than I originally thought. Definitely not my deepest of dives compared to some of these other guys who we haven't named yet, so I'm actually super excited. But I will say this. I think uh, here's where I have questions about Cameron Thomas, and this is – I'm trying to bring up my notes, and this is what I wrote down. His, he does have potential. He has potential to be better – than Mitchell, in my opinion. But the reason I think he has that potential is simply because he does actually shoot it better. He stretches the floor better. But he, I don't know, I would say that I'm not sure that he's, he's not as athletic as Mitchell. And that's my biggest question mark about Mitchell. And I think Thomas is just not quick for a guard. And I think that that could lead to some issues on defense. But in saying that, I watched one game. It was when they played Alabama, so I was trying to double dip for another prospect I'll talk about later and watch that game. And I just – it almost looked – I couldn't tell if he wasn't athletic or if he just wasn't going balls out, but he just looked a step slow. I think Chris is the nail on the head. He could – he has more potential. Uh, I think his frame lends itself to kind of turning up a little bit. Obviously, he's – athletic but not as athletic as I think he needs to be to be hit that upside that I think he could hit again I couldn't really tell if he was the effort wasn't there or what but he just looked to step slow to me and so he is not on my top five but I could see where like Chris said if you move back if you god forbid I hope we don't do it but if you take that deal with the Houston Rockets or you buy a pick at like 23 I think he would be perfect for pick 23 he's a first round pick for sure I just have more questions about him than the other guys we've talked about so far. Yeah, I think you definitely saw him play like a freshman a lot. I think you, if you take him, you take him, and he's either Malik Monk and a disappointment, or you know he's Lou Will and has a long career coming off the bench, <clears throat> being that spark for a lot of different second units. So it's definitely worth the risk. Scoring's at an all-time premium. Everybody knows that. So there's some games he absolutely shot lights out and was the best player on the court. And then, like you said, that game you watched against higher competition – he might have faded. So 
he's a stash guy. He's a guy you just let develop. You're not expecting much from him right away if that's the route they go. I think a lot of these shooting guards are undersized late first round. I mean, the only one I see over 6'4 is Duarte, who's projected a lot higher. So I think that's the problem with a lot of these guys is height right now. So I wouldn't mind the pick if, if we traded back, like you said. Yeah, yeah, that definitely played a part here. Like I said, I don't, I don't know if you take him at 13. I think taking him at 13 is high. But if you are willing to trade back, which is some of the rumors we have heard is the Pacers are willing to trade back. I think if you do trade back, I think it, it's a solid option, you know, a uh, few uh, few picks later to take this guy, I think uh, I think it's worth taking the risk to get a guy who can you know just you score it well at on the second unit. So uh, that's why I had him at number three. Um, number four here, guy you just mentioned, hot Chris Duarte. I have here guard from Oregon, six six, one hundred and ninety pounds. Boy needs to put on some weight. Um, but the reason why I liked him is, uh, you know. The, the kind of a theme here with most of these guys I have on here with uh, Cam Thomas really not, you know, fitting that theme. But a theme that I have here for a lot of these guys is being NBA ready. And that's what I liked a lot about Duarte. Um, a guy who I think he really compares a lot to is uh, Danny Green. Um, I think that's a really good comparison for him. Um, just an elite spot up shooter, um, you know, just a, he can knock down, you know, shots off the bounce, can finish with both hands, um, and he's a pretty solid defender as well. So just your typical, uh, you know, your, your today's game, that 3 and D guy that gets preached about, this is who this kid is. Um, I know he was, you know, er, earlier on in the process, I think he was projected in the 20s, maybe even later in the 20s, and his, his stock has kind of risen here recently with, uh, even the Warriors were talking about, you know, if, if him or, you know, I can't, or Mitchell was available, I think at 14, they were going to take one of those guys. So um, definitely wouldn't be surprised if this guy was a lottery pick and won't be shocked at all if he gets drafted in the teens, just because he fills that role as, you know, a lot of these teams don't want to wait for that potential. They want a guy who can, you know, step in immediately and, uh, you know, score points and, and be productive, you know, right away. Um you know, obviously with him, the, the knock on him is his age. He, he's 23 years old, so he's a he's a very old prospect when it comes to this draft. Um, obviously, you know, as I said, his comparison's kind of like Danny Green, so, you know, he's kind of limited athletically. Um, and, you know, the, really I, I would say the biggest thing is, you know, he is who he is, and the, there's not much more potential to him. So you're kind of going to – when you draft him, you know what you're going to get. I mean, there's, there's really not – he's not going to – go from a you know Danny Green comparison to a you know uh you know Donovan Mitchell or something like that he's he's going to be a solid role player I feel like in this league for years and and you kind of know what you're going to get when you drafted him um last year at Oregon uh averaged over 17 points per game just under six rebounds per game and also averaged nearly two steals per game 81 percent from the foul line and shot 42 percent from three so some pretty good numbers there in his final season there at Oregon so what do you guys think about him? I know his name has been talked about quite a bit lately, more so recently than, uh, you know, than from a few months ago. So what do you guys think about him uh, potentially being selected by the Pacers on Thursday? I like Chris Duarte because he's a dog. I mean, if you follow his story, I think he's from the Dominican Republic. He had to learn the English language in Massachusetts. He went the JUCO route for multiple years. He kind of did the Duncan Robinson thing. And I think, He's not as tall as Duncan. I think he's 6'6", and Duncan's like 6'8", 6'9", but 
I think he can shoot it well. And middle of the first round, there's going to be a team that takes a chance on him. I would not be that thrilled if some of these other guys were on on available just because of the age. And I think you're banking on a lot of just a guy that can shoot. And right now, I think we need a little more athleticism than just that. Maybe like a Devin Vassell last year is who I'm thinking. So this would be a good guy to get late first round at 13. I think it's just a little too high for him considering his age. But we were just talking about Davian Mitchell. So, I mean, if he's a ready-to-come day one player, it could work. I mean, it could definitely work. And we're going to have to replace some three-point shooting depth-wise. So I wouldn't hate it, but – like I said, I think there's some better prospects. <laughs> that was good analysis, Hawk. Thank you. You were sounding like you were sounding it's like a, a robot. It literally was, was, like, it, was it breaking up? It was a little bit, but I could actually hear it probably a little better than Chris. And I was like reading your lips, but I think I think what you said, if I could summarize, basically, like. Uh, you mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, we just talked about Mitchell, who's obviously an older prospect. Duarte's dog, like you said. Um, I, like you, I think he's probably not a guy I, I'm looking at at 13. I think he's the perfect trade back candidate. But I'm telling you, like, one of these teams, I think, like, New York would, would take a shot on him a little bit later, maybe at 19. So you couldn't really trade back too far. I do like what I see in him. Uh, my problem, my biggest problem is he's 24 years old. A, but B, he's only 190 pounds. And like some of these guys are like 19 and they're already like 200 pounds. So, like, I would have some questions about him. Um, I'm not, I, I wouldn't be mad if we, I, he would not be the worst pick we could take at 13 uh, because I have watched him play. He's not a guy that I did a deep dive on for this particular podcast. But from what I remember, he, he was athletic, he can shoot, and he is ready he's a ready-made nba player i think he is a guy that's going to play in the second unit for three or four years you see what you got in him and then he's either going to get he's he could be that guy that gets a contract it's kind of stupid because you know he can shoot he is athletic you know those contracts where you're paying like 10 million dollars to a guy that maybe doesn't make a lot of sense or he could just bounce out of the league like i i think he's going to have to produce way quicker than some of these other guys. There's not going to be a lot of excuses because he's, you know, he's already coming in as a 24 year old and a lot of guys that get drafted high in the first round and at least in the lottery are 19 and 20. So he's, he's behind the eight ball. Not my favorite option for our Pacers. All right. Last pick I got here. And uh, I kind of just threw him on here with the common theme of what the Pacers have, you know, done uh, in regards to so, you know, I definitely felt like I had to have a white guy. Uh, but uh, I think you guys already know who I'm talking about here. Uh, Corey Kispert, guard slash forward from Gonzaga, 6'7", 225 pounds. So there's a lot of weight right there. Um, some NBA comps for him. Wally Zerbiak, that's a name we haven't heard in a while. Uh, Joe Harris as well. Um, some strengths from him. Um, just a, you know, all around great shooter, uh, good ball handler, great finishing around the rim, uh, excellent free throw shooter. Um, he's, you know, he, he's limited athletically, but he's kind of athletic for a white guy. So let's just put it like that. 
Um, the other thing I think if, if you draft him here at pick 13, I think you're kind of saying goodbye already to Doug McDermott because that would be the role that he would fill in because McDermott's going to get paid this offseason. So uh, you're, you're drafting this guy at 13 to come in and replace him off the bench um, in that role. Um, you know, weaknesses, obviously, on the defensive end, he's going to struggle. Um, you know, adjusting to the quickness, quickness and athleticism in the NBA, it's a lot different than college. So he's definitely going to struggle with that, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but last year, you know, having a really good year with Gonzaga, uh, they were the runner ups, uh, in the national championship, you know, averaging nearly 19 points per game. Um, and he was an 88% free throw shooter shot 44% from three. Um, and you know, he's one of those, you know, older players. Um, I think he is, you know, maybe Joe Harris is a pretty good comp for him, but, uh, you know, Shooting is definitely valued in this league, and normally, you know, I wouldn't be on board with us taking the white guy, but I think if this is the white guy that we ended up picking at 13, I don't think I would be super upset. So what do you guys think about that? I think if I'm in charge of your list, I'm switching Duarte and Kisper just because I like what Kisper brings to the table a little more than Duarte. I think he can move a little better. I think he's proven it on a, you know, a better team in the tournament, even though they lost to Baylor, of course, but, you know, just being on that team, I feel like you got a lot of experience playing with, with guys of his caliber that he played with. And he definitely produced in a lot of those games. He could shoot the ball well. And I don't even know if I'm breaking up, if you guys can hear me or not, but as far as a white guy, I think he's Damon Bailey 2.0. And I don't know. And last time it was Damon Bailey 1.0. We didn't draft him this time. It's Damon Bailey 2.0. So we'll see. I think, okay, so this is – he's he is more athletic than other guys we've named. Yeah. Sheer all athleticism, he has a nose for the ball. I don't think he's going to – he's a better defender right now than Doug McDermott, not even close. It's not It's not in the same ballpark. He is a – he is a – he is a good defender given his athleticism. And he's not – he is not unathletic. He is more athletic – to me, he's more athletic than Cam Thomas for sure. He is older. Um, I think he he is more. If he was, let me put it this way: if he was a white guy, you wouldn't question his athleticism. Like he looks like he shouldn't be athletic because he's a white guy. That's just it is what it is. He has good size. He shows a willingness to defend. Uh, I think everybody that comes from the NCAA has you know difficulty with the the speed of the game. Uh, he, he I he's not quick, but he is able to defend because of his length he's six seven i mean he he does have some length and he he has a good body on him already he's obviously a shooter he's ready to go uh his ball handling isn't terrible i think he is what he is in terms of potential but uh he does get others involved and he i mean from what i've seen and i've watched several gonzaga games i'd be more than happy with Corey kispert i really would be and i think we do a lot worse i think he could be a guy you could see go higher just because he is ready made. I mean, I definitely would rather have him than Duarte. And I I don't want to, I don't want to go too far here on this guy, but I, I do think he's, he, he has potential to be a starter in this league. And he does because he could spread the floor and he can guard, he can guard on the perimeter. And I do have some questions about his pick and roll defense because they kind of exposed him a couple times, and he gets caught going underneath screens, but I think he's coachable. Um, 
Yeah, I like him. He'd be higher on my list for sure. For sure. All right. So uh, that wraps up my list there. Uh, you know, the five guys that I wouldn't mind seeing in a Pacers uniform. Um, I do have some other guys listed here that I won't go into much detail about, but I'll have you guys give me some names in case I miss somebody that you want to give give the listeners some more information about why you wouldn't mind them being in a Pacers uniform next season. Uh, some of the guys here uh, that I left off my list, Josh Giddy from Australia. Um, you know, I don't know much about him, but maybe he's the next Luca. So, I mean, whatever. You got to you gotta just take your chances there and, and hope you got the next Luca Doncic. Uh, Trey Murphy, Keon Johnson from Tennessee. Uh, and then also a guy who's been really on the rise here lately, um, Sharif Cooper out of Auburn, getting a lot of talk here. Not necessarily a pick 13 guy, but a guy that maybe you – trade late back into the first round or get an early second round pick to, uh, to go after. So those are some other guys that I looked into today, but I won't give you much information on them. So what are some names I left off my list that you guys are interested in? Some realistic options. Obviously, Cade Cunningham is a solid option, but that's not happening. So what do you guys got? I think there's two guys that are around there in the mocks that we didn't mention. That's Kay Jones and Alperin Singun. I think both those guys are pretty much Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis. So I don't, I hope to God we don't go for either of those with our current team, just because I think that would be a major mistake. Again, getting more centers on this team, getting more big guys on this team. There's a guy that's not going to go this early, but Miles McBride. I just love his energy. I love his story. You know, he was uh, supposed to be the quarterback at Alabama recruit. I think he tore his ACL in high school, stuck with basketball ended up getting a scholarship to Huggy Bear and then just absolutely ran that team on the court, was a beast defender, could shoot crazy. I might be breaking up again, but that's those are some of the guys that you didn't mention that I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind using some second-round picks to maybe trade up late in the first round if we don't get Davian Mitchell and go for a guy like Miles McBride. I'd really like that. So that's where I am. A um, couple guys, and I know we have a lot to get through, so I'm going to keep them super short on this, this but – I really like Kay Jones, uh, the center out of Texas, but because we've spent so much money on the centers and uh, uh, we've decided to use a first round pick on Goga, who doesn't stretch the floor at all. You don't, you can't, you cannot just, you can't draft that guy. He'd be perfect for modern NBA basketball. No questions about his defense, athletic, unfortunately, um, unless we make a deal or even maybe two, I I don't think I'd take him. Um, I really like Trey Murphy. I really do. I think he's a stretch four that would be perfect for today's modern NBA. I think he's got a really nice jump shot. I think he's got a lot of potential. And he, I, he flashed on the screen a couple. He, he's good with the ball. Um, he, he's not a bad ball handler. He is already 21 years old, but I mean, he, he shot over 40 I and mean, he shot over 40% from three from his career, including a 43 uh, sorry, 43% clip last year. He's a guy I really, 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 really like. And uh, I would love Trey Murphy. I think he kind of he kind of reminds me of a better version of O'Shea Brissett, um, which I know that's not going to be popular because some people around here think he's the next coming of Jesus Christ. And I, but I think uh, I think he is – Trey Murphy is ultimately a better option. I like Zaire Williams out of Stanford. Really like Zaire Williams. He's got a body that can put on some weight. 
and he is a he's already athletic he's got great size his defense is stellar and he doesn't have a bad jump shot whatsoever and I know that you know it's kind of tough to watch he was a 30 he shot just below 30 percent from three but if you watch his jump shot he had a little bit of a hitch and he got better as the season went on I mean he really did he started looking much 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 better and uh, he just he has a lot of potential he can handle the ball he can pass. He's got great, he's got great, great, great <clears throat> tangibles and he's quick. Um, Zaire Williams is probably <clears throat> a dark horse for me at 13. I just, just I don't think he's getting enough love. And because I didn't want to cut it a little bit short, I like Nation Highland from VCU. He's only 6'3, he's only 170 pounds, but this dude pops off the screen. I mean, he really is one of those guys that. If we were to get in at the bottom or back in the second round, let's say you take a Zaire Williams early or you get a Kispert and you want a point guard. I mean, they have him listed at shooting guard in some places, but he's a point guard in the NBA. He can't get by with his athleticism. He's okay with his size. He needs to beef up a bit, but the dude is a dog on the defensive end. He's quick. He can really, really, really shoot it. He's ready to play in the NBA right now. I mean, he – I mean, he shot 40% from three in his career, and I think he's going to be a really, 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 really good player. He's got a high basketball IQ. Nate, I think it's Nashawn Highland, but I'm telling you, I love him. I think somebody's going to get a steal late in the first round with him. You know what's crazy? What, what? I didn't even need to take a sleeping pill tonight. All I needed to do was just have you talk draft prospects because you're putting me to sleep, bud. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, no. He's going to cry now. I thought I was supposed to find guys that I liked and talk about them. There's another guy we didn't talk about, Jared Butler. He was on that Baylor team. I think he's a guy that you know can score and shoot well and definitely will be an NBA player. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's all the all the draft talk I got. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Pacers do. Um, I mean, let's just hope that you know we can have a good draft pick, so we won't have to listen to another year of Jake and Kevin Pritchard again just going at it on Twitter. I mean, I just pray that 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 can resolve itself and something good happens. Um. But uh, let's get into some rumors here. Uh, we had uh, a few rumors coming out the last few days. Uh, one of them I do want to start off with. It's not a confirmed rumor, but I heard and read today on Twitter, Zach Lowe had mentioned this on, on his podcast, that there had been discussions. And like I said, they don't know if this is true or not, but there have been some rumblings that the Pacers were in talks with the Pelicans to trade Malcolm Brogdon for a sign and trade that would get the Pacers Lonzo ball. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I'd have to see the details. I really would. I don't think, I think Lonzo, I mean, in games that we played against him, he proved that he could shoot the three ball. So I think that's maybe a, a knock on the pass and him maybe he's he's progressed a lot at least from the games we saw I don't know if I'd want to deal with just the overall I don't know stress that that would add on this team maybe from just a guy in the media all the time but it could be exciting and it's something if we want to go a different direction Lonzo Ball is a proven defender 
He's a decent passer. You're not – I don't think there's much difference between him and Brogdon is if Lonzo keeps getting better. I really don't. And maybe that's just my opinion, but I think point guards in this league are very deep, and I think those two are similar. Agreed. I think if you could get him on a cheaper deal than Brogdon, I'd move on from Brogdon. I mean, Brogdon came in like a, you know, like a lightning rod, really like lit it up. And I have questions about his shot. I have questions about his athleticism as he ages. And I have questions about his health. And uh, Lonzo plays hard no matter who his father is. I mean, he really he seems like the type of guy that puts his head down and plays. Uh, the only thing that scares me is he's obviously going to get a contract. There could be a bidding war for him, which could drive the price up, which could ultimately put him kind of not quite in that tier with Brogdon, but still in terms of money, but close enough where it might not be enough of a difference to take that chance because he does come with some risks. Yeah, for sure. But he's, I mean, Brogdon's hardly ever healthy, it seems like. So I don't know. It's For an organization that missed the playoffs, I think it would be, an interesting risk and, and to take. I, I really do. One, you're well, getting younger. You're getting younger at yep. the point guard position because Brogdon's what, 27 or 28. So you're getting a few years younger as well. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like it's, you know, kind of safe, you know, to, it's almost like in the modern like NBA where you can take some, you can take some risks, risks on health because everyone seems to be getting hurt. And uh, it kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, it buys front offices some time. And uh, if the guys ever could stay healthy, we'd see what we got. But um, it's kind of like we have the talent. Like the fans say we have the talent. We just got to be healthy. We just never get there. So might be one of the situations where he where he he thinks that he thinks that Brogdon is there. And he thinks that Brogdon, if healthy, could, you know, be a much better player than Lonzo. But I have my doubts on that. Another rumor that came out today, uh, I forget who reported it, but then I saw Jay Michael had confirmed the report, was that the Lakers had offered their first-round pick, which I believe was pick 22, as well as Kyle Kuzma. So they're attaching Kyle Kuzma with the pick. They offered that in a package deal to the Pacers for pick number 13. So to move up nine spots, they offered the Pacers Kyle Kuzma. The Pacers reportedly turned that deal down, said that they were not interested. So are you glad that they turned that down and said no to bringing on Kyle Kuzma? I mean, after going through that prospect list, yes. But like we said, there's some guys you could get at 22 and Kuzma. So to me, it seems like a pretty even offer a fair offer for sure if they're trying to move Kuzma I still think Kuzma's young enough and athletic enough to be a good player in this league and but I don't really want to give up pick 13 for that and that's just my personal opinion because it's been our highest pick in a while and like we said if we get Mitchell or Kispert they could come in and be great players day one so I, I think that's too much of a risk maybe but at the same time I think it's a fair offer. Yeah, I think it's a fair offer, too, honestly. I mean, Kuzma gets shit on a lot, but he's probably going to be better than whoever he would take at 13, maybe not, uh, you know, on the long end. But I would much rather have him than Eric Gordon, who's been in you yeah, know, trade too. talks. And um, Kuzma's not a bad player. He just – it's hard to play with LeBron. Some guys can do it, some guys can't. And I think Kuzma would be just fine in the Pacers uniform. When I do the deal, probably not. I wouldn't do it until draft night for sure, just in case somebody like if Moody were to 
I post a picture with a bong or something and he fell down. I think it'd have to be worse than that. Now, I mean, when Tunsil did that, you know, weed was thought to be some crazy thing, but now it's like, you know, bongs are legal in some places. So whatever, but we even need something crazy, but like, you can't trade that pick. If a guy like Moody is there, you would just look terrible. You'd look like an idiot. So I think you just hold the pick, but I think that's a fair offer by the Lakers. I I'm not scoffing at it. Like some in Pacers universe were this morning. No, not, not at all. Um, and then, uh, another rumor that's going out around Aaron holiday being shopped around by the Pacers just saw that the 76ers were interested in him, which kind of makes sense. He's got the ties to, you know, Dan Burke and good old Popeye Jones there. So, uh, ties there to the organization. Um, but yeah, he, he's being shopped around. Doesn't seem like he's going to be in a Pacers uniform next season. I, I highly doubt he's with the Pacers. Um, so I guess, I'm not going to ask you if you think Aaron Holiday is going to go because I, I think Aaron Holiday for sure is going to be off the team next year. So I guess my question is, will Aaron Holiday still be a member of the Pacers by the end of this week and even next week? Do you think the Pacers going to deal with him this week, you know, something for the draft or even next week once free agency starts? Do you think he's a Pacer uh, after these couple of weeks where a bunch of moves are about to go down? I'm going to say no, just because if there's any value there at all, and if the 76ers are interested, if you have a willing party already, I think you try to move them, get some back, maybe another second-round pick. I don't even know what he's worth technically. I don't know if they'd give up any any players they have. they got some decent young players, Tybal, Maxi, guys like that I'd love to have on the Pacers for Aaron Holiday, but I think it'd take a little more to get. So as far as Aaron Holiday, his career in Indiana, I feel like he's plateaued. He's just very inconsistent. You know, it seems like the last three years he'll have a good night and then he'll disappear for a week. It just, And then there's some games he'll play great for weeks and then he'll just disappear and just a little undersized. So if I think there's any value there, we've talked about guys on the draft board that would come in right now and replace Aaron Holiday and be just as effective, I think. So I think if there's any value there, you try to move him. So hopefully. Uh, yeah, his – I mean, guys, his, he's he's got to go. I mean, he just he's and I wish him well. And I thought I think he had a lot of potential. He's a guy I really liked watching. I think at one point I thought he was going to be a starter, but he's just not. Um, 76ers apparently have interests. That was a recent report. And uh, he's just not my he's not my cup of tea. I mean, I, I would be cool offering him up for like a Kyle Kuzma type deal. I don't think it could work because we're kind of salary cap strapped until we move Turner as a bonus. And, or Brogdon. So I think we're just kind of stuck. I, I mean, if we could get a second round pick for him, I think we'd do it just to unload him. But there again, I think that's a, that's a point that um, they're kind of conceding that we're probably gonna have to draft a point guard in the first round. Cause guys like Moody and Kispert probably won't be there. So I think it, it's more telling about our draft plans than anything else. Giannis's brother worked out for the Pacers yesterday. His first name is Alex. I saw that. So there's, there's a chance Pacers have, I think two, two second rounders. So, they could bring him in with the final pick of the draft. You know, he could be a pacer and lure Giannis here in like five or six years. What do you think about that? If there's one thing we know about Pritchard is his second round picks far outseed his first round pick. So whoever we take in the second round is going to be a player, a Jordan Yang or whatever the hell that guy's name is, a Lance Stevenson. <laughs> They're going to be effective. Um, uh, yeah, I think there's some guys in the second round I like. They're going to be older. You're going to have heard of them. And um, Aaron Wiggins, 
I think Aaron Wiggins is a guy that could tickle our fancy. Uh, guys like Dwayne Washington, maybe. It all depends on who we get. Are we going to make moves? Are we not? And, you know, I'd package some of those, you know, two of those picks and try to get up a little higher. But chances are this guy, we're going to draft a guy that we talk ourselves into. And we're going to be convinced that this guy's going to be good. And uh, he's just not going to be. <laughs> Like we're going to try to convince ourselves like uh, the center from uh, UCLA a couple years ago. EK. Was it? EK. Oh yeah. We were all in on EK. Didn't work out, but it's always fun. And um, thankfully we got the last week of the draft. So I'll be staying up and uh, watching it. All right. Last question here. Not really uh, a rumor, but one thing that, you know, a lot of discussion is going to, you know, hopefully we get an answer here over the next couple of weeks, but my question to you guys, is there anything more annoying on Twitter than, you know, the Sabonis and Miles Turner debates? I mean, I think we're all on the same page here. Where we, we agree that, you know, we probably would prefer to keep Sabonis, but at this point we don't really give a shit. We just want to get rid of this, uh, get rid of a center. So if you can get a good deal for Sabonis, great trade him. If you can get a good deal for Miles Turner, great trade him. But like I see people online just like valuing, you know, Miles Turner is this, you know, Hakeem Elijah one guy or like Sabonis is this, you know, you know, guy that's untouchable. It's just like, it's just so annoying. It's exhausting. It's like, I just want them to be broken up. I'm sick of it. The debates are the worst on Twitter. Can we please just end this? Because you guys are just killing me. Every time I log on, it's a Sabonis versus Miles Turner debate. And it's really exhausting. Yeah, it's not going to end until somebody's moved, unfortunately. And it, it's very annoying, trust me. And we've talked about it the last two seasons. That's all – that's been the main storyline. So it's not going anywhere. We just got to hope that it gets corrected. And and who knows? It probably won't. We'll probably go a whole other season with this, if we're being honest. <laughs> like, to me, the prop, the the funniest thing, like, like Chris said, like, it seems like if you say something good about Turner, the Sabonis people come at you. If you say something good about Sabonis, the Turner people come at you. Like, it's impossible to, like, pick and choose. And it's like, well, how are we going to defend the rim if we don't have Miles? Well, Miles can't block every shot. We're the worst. Like, we are literally one of the worst defensive perimeter, perimeter defensive teams. And it's just like we're, we're just so far away. Like, just pick one, trade one, get the best deal for one. No matter what, no matter what we do in a trade, we are going to overvalue as fans the players that we have. We, I mean, we have been preaching that. They're not going to be happy with the trade unless we completely swindle somebody, and I doubt that happens because we're talking about two centers. So, um, I, yeah, I'm ready for it to be over. Just trade one. I don't care. I would personally rather keep Sabonis, but I get it. But I just think he has, he's more of a playmaker with the ball in his hands. I think he's reliable to step out. But I get it. Just pick one trade the other and let's try to build something that's actually modern NBA basketball. Agreed. Yep. That's all I got. Anybody got anything else to add before we wrap this show up? I think that's it. Only thing I'm going to say, obviously there's guys to trade for There's big names out there. There's Lillard. There's other guys. The guy, if I'm the Pacers that I'm trying to get is uh, Pascal Siakam because I think he's perfect for our system. I think he's a potential superstar. I think he's a, he's a guy that might not fetch as much as we think, and I'd be willing to trade a haul to get him. I think he's modern. He uh, and he would be he would step into our best player role, and he would play well with either Sabonis or Turner, whichever one we kept. That's all I'm going to say. 
So we need to hope that Lowry leaves the Raptors and they just choose to rebuild. Yes. That's exactly that you take. I mean, and you got to hope we would probably have to overpay because you'd stay in the conference. Granted, not a division opponent, but I mean, I, I don't know how realistic it is, but he would be the perfect stretch four for us. My God, he would be perfect. Oh yeah. I would trade either center for him. Um, I'd probably, I mean, do you think Sabonis for him straight up? Would you want more than that? I think they would. I think so too. I think, I think you'd have to throw a pick in, which I'd be cool with because I think he's that big of a difference maker, to be honest with you. I think but, Sabonis of 13 for Siakam is damn near fair. Yeah, I think it is. I and mean, I would do it in a second. So I think either team would have to really, really think about it, to be honest with you. Brogdon, Lavert, TJ Warren, Siakam, Miles Turner slash Sabonis. That's a pretty damn good starting five. Yeah, and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't mind looking at a guy like Shea Gilgis Alexander either. I mean, if they want to dangle him out there, I don't know if they would take thirteen Brogdon, and that might be too rich for some people. But I think he's that much of a playmaker, that much of an upgrade over Brogdon, that it might be worth it. I agree. I got my top twenty. Mock draft ready to go. Do you think I should release it on Thursday to the folks on Twitter so they can bash it? Yes. I think you almost have to. Yeah. All right. I'll make sure I do that. I uh, worked on that, but I'm not going to release it till Thursday because, you know, there could be a trade. So it's not going to be official till about Thursday afternoon. We'll post it and we'll see what happens. But I worked hard on that. Um, I put it together in maybe 30 minutes, so I can't wait to get criticized for it. But what uh, time is the draft? I believe the draft's around 7.30. I think that's when it starts. Okay. Or maybe 7 o'clock is when it, they say it starts, but it doesn't actually start till 7.30. But uh, I believe it's around that time frame. Can't wait. Yeah. So, all right, that'll wrap up this episode of the podcast. I'm sure we'll be back on here soon to discuss uh, what happens on Thursday night or maybe even sooner than that if the Pacers make a deal uh, between now and then, which I doubt that happens. But uh, you'll be hearing from us again soon. And then, you know, next week's when everything's really going to ramp up. August 2nd is when free agency starts. So going to be a lot of things to talk about then, which I'm – Sure, we'll be back on then to discuss when it happens. So appreciate you guys listening to this and looking forward to watching draft Thursday night. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk to you guys soon. See ya. See ya.